Good morning, Mountain Park. Happy Father's Day. Do we have, do we have any dads who are celebrating Father's Day for the first time today? New dads? Any new dads? Woohoo! there's one in the back. There's one right there. Awesome. We are excited for you and the adventure God has for you for the rest of your lives. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Uh, one other group of dads I want to recognize. Do we have any foster or adopted dads today? Any dads with foster or adoptive dads? Awesome. Thank you for stepping up and being a dad to a kid who might not otherwise have one. Uh, we love you, and we so appreciate you expressing God's heart in their lives. I, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that I get to be here. We are taking a break from our Won't You Be My Neighbor series now. If you've been here for a few weeks, you're familiar with what's going on. But if you're new here, today's your first day. No, Mr. Fuller is not really in any legal trouble. <laughs> That's just part of a fun thing we're doing for our series, and we hope you'll come back next week as we, uh, as we wrap that up. But today we get to celebrate Father's Day, and I love that. I love that we as a church get to do that because I don't think that anybody cares more about dads than God does. I don't think anybody understands what it means to be a father more than God does. Throughout Scripture, the Bible refers to God as a father. And now for some of us, uh, that can be confusing. If, if, if you're like me who had a dad who struggled to, to show the kind of love that he was supposed to to you, then what happens to us often, unconsciously almost, is that we look at, well, here's what our dad is like, and so when God says that he's a father, that means he must be the same way, just with bigger lightning bolts, okay? But really, that's not what God is saying. When God says he's our father, what he's saying is he is everything that a father should be. He's the template of what we as dads should be, that his design is that, is that dads represent his unconditional their love to their kids in a, in a tangible way so that our kids can say, I know that there is a God who loves me because look at my dad. Look how much he loves me. There must be a heavenly father who loves me as well. Now, the reality is um, that doesn't always happen though, Right? that design that God has, like, like we know that inevitably in our world it seems like there's this thing that comes and disrupts this plan, this plan that God has and, and, and God designed us for that, 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 that our dads should mark us and, 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 and love us in such a way that, that we in turn love our kids in the same way but something comes along in the midst of things and, and, and you could call it brokenness, you can call it, call it selfishness, you can call it whatever but the Bible calls it sin and is this idea that, that that whole plan that God has for love to be expressed on earth is, is disrupted and, and, and broken. And that brokenness, in turn, begets brokenness. And so if, if you had a dad, then often the challenge is, is how do we respond to our dads and not repeat the same mistakes? How do we respond to the brokenness of this world in a way that brings people closer to the Lord, closer to his love in a way that brings people to wholeness instead of more brokenness. And not only that, but how do we love our dads? God talks a lot about honoring our father. How do we honor dads who maybe were a mixed bag? Maybe we struggle to understand how do I, I can't give my dad one of those cards. I, I wonder what you were thinking when that question came up at the end. That question said, what card are you giving your dad today? 
Is that an easy question for you to answer, to say, yeah, I know what car I got my dad, I've already got it, it's already done. Or, or is it a challenge for you that you see these cards or posts on Facebook that say, my dad was awesome, thanks for always loving me, always forgiving me, always giving me everything I need, and you say, that wasn't my dad. And you feel like you have a choice between the card that sets your dad up as being perfect or the fart joke card, <laughs> right? I mean, that kind of feels like it's your choice on Father's Day. So what I wanna look at today as we dive into scripture is two things. One, how do we respond to the brokenness of this world in a way that moves us and our kids towards wholeness instead of brokenness? And how do we honor our dads in the midst of their brokenness? So we're gonna be in Mark chapter nine, if you wanna open your Bibles, but before we jump in, I wanna take some time to pray. So would you pray with me? Lord, you are the perfect, mighty, creative, forgiving, gracious, loving Father. And no matter what the term Father stirs up in us because of, of our lives, you can bring peace and joy and life. And so as we seek you this morning, we ask that you uh, restore what's been broken, that you heal, and that you move us forward in the purposes you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're gonna look in, in Mark chapter nine, and as, as we take a look at, at, at that first question, how do we respond to the brokenness of the world around us, and especially as dads, that when you, when you become a dad, uh, like you watch those commercials with the dad who's like pretending to be a cheerleader with his daughter, or doing tea party, you're like, oh, that's easy. And you don't understand the challenges that may come. Now, before we get into this story, real quick, set the background. Uh, Jesus has taken some of his disciples up onto a big mountain. And, and while he's up there, something kind of crazy happens. Uh, that Jesus is on this mountain and, and, and his body sort of changes from a human body into this being of light. And, and Moses and Elijah come down and they're on the mountain with him. And God speaks to the disciples and it's this amazing, phenomenal moment. And then the moment's over and they have to go back down the mountain. And when they go back down the mountain, that's when this happens. When they came to the other disciples who were down the mountain, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son. I wanna pause there for a second. It's easy when you read the Bible to sort of just skip over uh, things, especially to sort of view people as just fictional characters and forget that these were real people. So I just wanna take a moment to remember, this was a real dad like you and me, a dad who held his baby for the first time, a dad who loved his child, a dad who, we don't know how far he traveled, but who had a job and, and who, who set aside everything to come and bring his son to Jesus. And he says, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Now again, it's easy to glance over that, but think about that for a second. Think about how much of your relationship with your children revolves around speech. Think about how much of your experience as a dad includes speech. Do you remember your child's first word? Do you remember when they laughed for the first time? Do you remember when they looked at you in the eye, they made eye contact and you could tell they actually knew who you were? 
and they said, Dada? Do you remember hearing your kids singing songs, making up crazy songs? And you're like, stop singing that, that's weird. <laughs> right? And just our, our house, we have five kids, our house is filled with the voices of our kids playing and laughing and occasionally arguing. Shh. Right? But this is a dad who doesn't get to experience that. This is a dad who, when, when, when his son is crying and he says, what's wrong, his son can't tell him. Or when his son wakes up in the middle of the night because he can't sleep because he had a bad dream and the dad goes and says, what's wrong? He can't tell his dad about his dream. His dad's not experiencing fatherhood as he thought he would. He's coming face to face with the brokenness of our world. It goes on, and the father says, it's robbed him of speech, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Imagine that happening to your child as a father, as a mother, watching that. Later on in verse 21, Jesus asks the father how long that's been happening, and the father says, from childhood. And that word, from childhood, can mean one of two things. It can mean from the time they were born, or from the time they were a small child, a very small child. Either way, essentially, it's for the most of his life. For most of his life, this has been his experience. And he goes on and says, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Think about that. Think about having a son or a daughter that you can't leave alone because they could be in mortal danger. Think about how many times this father has had to jump into the water and pull his son out. How many times he's had to snatch his son from the fire and bandage the burns. What would it be like to live like that, confronted with that brokenness? And you know, I think the worst part about that is not just that, that his son was suffering, it was that he couldn't fix it that this has been going on since childhood for years and years and years, and he can do nothing about it. We have, uh, as I said, five kids, and uh, our fourth son, Ezra, when, uh, when he was born, about uh, a day or so after born, we may have a picture, he, uh, he got a fever, and we took him to the doctor, and you'll see he's about, what, two days old right there, and you'll notice he's got a little paddle on, we had, the doctor said he had to go to the emergency room, that he might have something seriously wrong. And so we take him there, and the emergency doctors look at him, and they say, we need to give your two-day-old son a spinal tap to make sure that nothing's going to happen to him. And so they do that, and we, we sit in the hospital, and day one comes, and the nurse says, hey, we're just run some tests, and it'll be okay. Maybe you'll be out today. And day two comes, and the doctor says, hey, we're just run some tests. Maybe you'll be out. And day after day, we were there for three or four days, and I could do nothing but watch and pray. And thankfully, he ended up okay, and he's six years old, and he runs around and causes all kinds of problems. <laughs> but as a dad, when you can't fix something, it sucks. So although it doesn't say it in scripture, I wonder how much time, money, and effort this dad spent trying to fix his son. How many doctors, 
how many nights he stayed up praying, saying, God, please heal my son. God, please heal my son. And after year one, year two, year three, was there a time when he said, what's wrong with me that you're not answering your prayer? What am I doing wrong? What, what sin do I need to stop doing? What, what sacrifice do I need to bring? What do I need to do? And then year four and year five, and it goes on and on. And I wonder if there's a time where he says, that's it, I'm done. Does he ever have that temptation that says, you know what, I can't live like this anymore. And so like many other people in, in the first century, especially in the Roman Empire, he could have abandoned his son in the wilderness and said, I'm just gonna leave him out there as a child. He could have sold him into slavery. He could have just walked away and said, I, I'm not gonna deal with this anymore. But he doesn't. He hangs in there. And in, 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 in Luke 9, Luke tells the same story from a different perspective. In Luke 9, the, the, the father says to Jesus, this spirit scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. And you just hear the hopelessness in this dad's voice saying, I can't do anything about this. Now I'm guessing that most of us aren't gonna experience a situation like this with our kids, and I hope you never do. And most of us aren't gonna have a, a daughter or a son who's possessed by a spirit that throws them into water and fire. I don't know, maybe you had that experience, but I don't think it's very common. But how many of you have had a situation that you just couldn't fix? How many of you are carrying burdens from your dad or from your past experiences that you just can't fix? Or burdens of your kids that you just can't fix? You look at your kids, maybe your kids struggle with a sickness or an illness and, and you've been praying for them and you just can't fix it or, or they're making choices and you're saying, what are you doing? And no matter how many things you tell them, no matter how many other people you get to tell them the same things, you can't fix it. Or maybe they're struggling to make friends or they're struggling in school and you can't fix it. Maybe it's not with your kids, maybe it's with you. Maybe you're burdened by a, by, a, by a feeling of worthlessness that you can't get under for some reason. And, and, and when somebody says this little bit of criticism, it's hard for you not to say, fine, you think I suck. That's okay, everybody else does as well. Maybe it's a fits of anger that you can't control that just sneak up on you. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's painful experiences that just haunt you wherever you go. Maybe it's sexual desire that's out of control. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's past sins that you've done that, that, that are boxing you in with shame and that shame tells you don't let people see who you really are and so you pretend to be someone that everybody else will like. Or maybe, maybe that you've just, you've just turned your feelings off. Maybe you've just gotten to the point where you're just numb, where you're just callous, and you're just disconnected from the way your, your, your actions impact other people. You're disconnected from caring about whether or not you do what's right or wrong. You're just trying to get through things. Whatever it is, you've tried and you just can't kick it. You just can't overcome it on your own. That's what this guy is facing, something he can't fix. So what does he do? He does three things. One, he recognizes he needs help. He says, okay. I'm not gonna give up and I can't fix this on my own, so I'm gonna get help. Number two, he recognizes that Jesus is the one who can help him. So he, and three, he seeks that help. He says, okay, Jesus can help me, I'm gonna go find him. Now, we often do pretty well at the first two, but not so well as the third one. Guys, how many of you have agreed to set up a doctor's appointment with your wife 
and still have not done it. Okay, I actually did it, but it took a few months, maybe a year. Okay? It's not enough to recognize your need. It's not enough to recognize who can help. It's enough. You have to actually seek that help. And this is so important. This is so important that we as a church are a place where dads, where men can come with the brokenness of their hearts and be honest about it. Where, 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 where it can be stirred up and they can say, here it is, I need help. Can, can somebody walk with me in fixing this? Because if we don't have that outlet, we begin to get hopeless and we begin to feel helpless. And those two things are a dangerous combination because the brokenness of this world can break us if we're not careful. Do you know what the number two cause of death for men from 24 to 54 is? It's suicide. And if you're here and you're a man, you're between the ages of 24 and 54, the second biggest threat to your life is that you will become so overwhelmed by the brokenness of this world that you will want to end your life. Now, I know some of you are saying, hey, that's, that's not really me. That's not, why you gotta be so depressing, right? Like, can't we just have a fun time and talk about how awesome dads are? Yeah, but here's the thing. We've had three guys in the past 18 months connected to our church who've committed suicide. It's a problem. The reality is we have guys who are feeling overwhelmed and like they're hopeless and helpless and they have no way out. And moms, I don't wanna leave you out. I know that you have struggles too, but the truth is statistically, the father of your child is three and a half times more likely to commit suicide than you are. Why is that? Well, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and I'm not an expert, and I don't claim to have all the answers to that. I do have an observation, but hey, if you're, you are a psychiatrist or a psychologist and you're an expert in this stuff, and I say something stupid, just raise your hand and say, don't listen to him, okay? Um, but I'd like to make this observation. It seems to me that, that whenever, we, um, we, whenever Mother's Day comes around and, and we decide, okay, how do we talk about the imperfections or the struggles that moms are having? And I, and I know I'm kind of making a generalization here, but it seems to me that when a mom is imperfect, the general message we say to moms in church or in women's breakfast is, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Being a mom is really, really hard. It's really hard. So it's okay if you forget something. It's okay if, if you yell at your kids every now and then. It's okay if you neglect your husband for a little while. It's okay if you do those things because it's just really hard to be a mom. But when it comes to Father's Day and we start thinking about what is it that dads need to hear in the midst of their imperfection, in the midst of their brokenness, that the answer is it's not okay. It's not okay for you to be broken. Who do you think you are? Do you know what impact you're having on your kids? It's not okay to be broken because you're ruining their life. Shape up, get your act together. It's not okay to be broken because your wife deserves better than you. Deserves better than what you're giving her. It's not okay to be broken because you should be man enough to handle anything. It's not okay to be broken because you're setting a bad example. It's not okay to be broken Stop it. Stop getting angry. Stop, stop being lazy. Stop feeling depressed. Stop being selfish. Stop being insecure. Stop that. 
or do more, try harder, make more money, work out to stay fit more, get in touch with your feelings more, read more books, read your Bible, spend more time playing with your kids, do more housework, coach more sports teams, listen more, date your wife more, do, 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 do. Now, I'm not saying those things are bad. There are things that we need to stop doing, and there are things that we need to keep doing, and there are times when that's really important. But we also need times as dads where people just say, we're with you. We understand. We will link arms with you, and God is with you. You have a heavenly father. You do not have to be broken by the brokenness of this world. His love can come and heal you, and we will walk alongside you. We will show you that love. It's okay. Being a dad is hard. And you are not alone. I want us to be that place where we as a church are a place where dads can come and bring their burdens and pursue wholeness in an authentic community. That's why we have Men's Hope on Tuesdays at 6.30 where you can come. You don't have to register and you just show up and there'll be men working through stuff together and going through life together. We've got a Bible study for men starting up tomorrow. You can come to that starting at 6.30 called A Man and His Design. It's gonna be an awesome study. But here's the other thing. It doesn't have to be a program. It doesn't. If you're a dad, you can call another dad and say, how are you doing? What's burdening your heart right now? Or you can call another dad. You can call me. I'll be here after service. You can call me. I'll give you my phone number. And you can say, Jan, I'm struggling with this. Would you pray for me? You know, when the, when the, 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 the man, the father, brought his son to the disciples, you notice the disciples didn't say, how many times have you sinned this week? Right? They didn't say, well, clearly you must be, you must be doing something wrong because your son is that way. They didn't say, don't, don't bring that terrible, weird thing to us. We don't want to deal with your, your problem. We don't know how to handle that. No, they said, come in. And we will link arms and we'll pray over your son. And verse 18 tells us that, that they weren't able to cast that spirit out. But I wonder how it felt for that man to have those other men, those disciples, gather around his son and just pray for him. And then in the midst of that, when he thinks he's at another dead end and nothing's going to change, Jesus comes down the mountain and he shows up and he says, hey, what's going on? And what does Jesus say when, he, when the man starts talking? He says, bring the boy to me, verse 19, bring me your burden, bring me your brokenness, bring it to me, bring it to me. I'll take him, he doesn't scare me. Your burden doesn't scare me, your brokenness doesn't scare me. I got this. He takes that son and the story goes on that he heals that son. Now, I, I love in the middle though, before Jesus heals, that the, the, he says, it says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And I'm gonna jump down to verse 22, uh, the man says, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaims, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. See, you don't need to have everything together to believe in Jesus, to, to bring your problem to Jesus. You don't need to believe everything the Bible says about Jesus to bring your problems. You don't even need to be certain that he can fix it. This man, he says, I, I, I kind of believe. Sure, but maybe I don't, but help me. 
That's all Jesus needs is the invitation for you to reach out and say, help me. Now, I, I can't promise you that Jesus is gonna heal every sickness your, your kids are gonna have or you're gonna have or that he's gonna instantly remove every struggle you have in your life, but I can promise you that when you bring Jesus, when you bring your burdens to Jesus, when you are a part of a group of people who will together bring your burdens to Jesus, he is going to do something amazing through that brokenness in your life and in the lives of those around you. Now, when my, um, some of you know that um, in, in January of 2017, this past year, um, my wife's father, who's an awesome guy, uh, passed away from cancer. And I remember when, when, when we, he was first diagnosed, and, and really for the, the couple of years that he had it, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and we consistently prayed over again, and God didn't heal. God didn't heal him. But God did something amazing through him, and it was amazing how many doctors, how many nurses, how many cancer patients from all over the world were impacted by his prayers for them, by the way he came to Jesus every day and laid his burdens down and said, help me to love you and love people in the midst of my brokenness. After a few months after he was diagnosed with cancer, several months actually, my wife wrote him a letter and I want to share some excerpts from that letter to him with you because I want you guys to know, especially for those of you dads who are trying to do this the right way and, and, and you're trying to love your kids and you're trying to teach them about the Lord, you're trying to teach them about Jesus, you, you're doing everything you can and you're just not sure it's having any impact. I want you to see what an amazing legacy you can have on your kids. So this is my wife writing to her dad in 2015. I'm just gonna read some excerpts. Happy Father's Day. I'm so glad and so thankful that you are my dad. I love being your daughter. I've always known that I was deeply loved. I love that from the earliest age, you and mom gave us the opportunity to talk about Jesus. You taught us to look and listen for his voice. I love that you're never too grown up to be silly. I love that you always colored every picture in rainbows. I love that every family video is at least half filled with nature shots, evidence of your genuine wonder at God's beautiful creation. I love that you made us feel a part of every Bible study class, church service you were teaching or attending. I love that I learned to worship standing beside you and singing with you and mom. I love that every time we talk, you ask, how's your heart, kid? I love the way you love mom. I love that you've always been honest about your struggles even when you weren't on the other side yet. I love that the testimony of your life is God is faithful. I love spending time with you and sharing hearts with you and watching you and mom walk through life, good and bad, truly loving God and depending on him entirely. Both of you have always displayed a wholehearted love for the Lord and his word that constantly challenges me. But I am learning that as much as I love you, I can't make you or mom the source of my security or happiness or hope for the future. That is God. Your job was to take my hand and put it in Jesus's. And now my job is to take it and grab onto it for all it's worth. And while I can't and really don't want to imagine life without you, there is no one in the world that I am more excited about meeting Jesus face to face than you. I do imagine that sometimes. Sometimes. 
Dads, would you like that letter to be written to you one day? Never underestimate the power your love can have on your kids. Some of you have a dad like this, and if you do, man, tell him you love him. Take Father's Day, call him up, let him know. Don't take him for granted, but maybe you're here today and, and the brokenness you're carrying is the result of your dad. So Father's Day presents a conundrum. How do we honor dads who didn't love us the way that we should? And there's varying degrees here, right? You can have a dad who was abusive, a dad who abandoned you, a dad who struggled with addiction, a dad, dad who just worked all the time and who was never there, a dad who was there but didn't know how to connect relationally, a dad who did some things right but had a few major flaws. You can have all kinds of different brokenness. How do we honor them? See, I think sometimes we make the mistake of, of, of equating honor with appreciation. And so we think that to honor someone is to tell them how great they are. That if I'm going to honor you, I must find things that are worth honoring. But honor is not so much about recognizing how good someone is as it is about us learning to value people the way God values us. And in God's eyes, our value is not determined by our behavior. In Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrate his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were rejecting, while we were hurting, while we were doing our own thing, he came after us. If you had great parents, God wants you to appreciate them and tell them what they did right. But he also wants you to go beyond that and give them extra love that is unconditional. By the same token, if you have parents who were not A-plus parents, who were not B parents, who were not C parents, who were not D parents, they've repeated parenting school five or six times, you can still honor them. You do not have to pretend that your dad is perfect in order to honor him. Just like Jesus doesn't have to pretend that you're perfect in order to love you. He can give you the same unconditional love for your dad that he has for you. Imagine the freedom you can give your parents by saying, hey, my love for you is not based on... How many times have you ever heard a message about how to love your dad? Isn't that interesting that we hear, we hear messages and, and, and teachings about how to love our spouse, about how to love our kids, about how to love our neighbor? But have you thought about how do I love my dad? How do I show unconditional love to him? Now, I know this is hard, and I don't know your story. I don't know what your dad is, and you may have very good reasons for not being connected with your dad, and I don't want to tread on that. But I do want to say that honoring your dad isn't about his performance, it's about showing unconditional love. And I'm gonna give you some ways you can do that practically. And it's up to you to pray through this and see if this works, if God is calling you to do this. Number one, learn his story. What's your dad's story? Find out how did he grow up? Why is he the way he is? What were his parents like? What was his favorite memory as a child? What were his parents like? What was he like in high school? What was, who was his favorite teacher? What was his first job? Learn his story. Number two, take him on a date but not to your favorite restaurant, to his favorite restaurant, even if it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. No agenda. Don't let him pay. Like, tell the waiter ahead of time, I'm paying, give the bill to me, okay? Forgive him. And maybe that means going to him and telling him that you forgive him. Or maybe it means working with God and working through that forgiveness on your own. Number, number five, ask 
him, number sorry, number four, ask him to forgive you. Then maybe the first step is saying to your dad and say, dad, I have to own my stuff, what I did in our relationship. Or numbers five, ask his advice. Dads love to give advice, okay? Even if it's terrible, okay? The act of going and asking your dad for advice will communicate value to him in a way that you can't imagine. Ask him to pray for you and tell him specifically what he can pray. Ask him how you can pray for him. And then finally, make a habit of doing something he likes, even if you don't. If your dad likes golf and you hate golf, try to find time once a month to go be with him while he putts around, right? If your dad likes football and you hate football, show up one Monday out of the month and watch Monday Night Football with him. Not because you love football, but because you love your dad. Now again, I know this isn't easy, and as I was working on this weekend, I was surprised as I shared how many people resonated with this, the difficulty of how do I honor my dad today? One of those people was a gentleman on staff, he's sitting right there, Mr. Greg, can you wave, Greg? And, and Greg, just in the midst of processing through this, God kind of inspired a song that he wrote. And so I wanted to ask him to share a little bit of his story and then share uh, this song with us. Thank you, Greg, for sharing that with us. I really appreciate it. Um, we're going to close out in here in just a minute, but I, I want to just make sure you know that we're going to have people up here who can pray for you. And if you're here and, and, and God has stirred something up in you and, and you want prayer to, 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 you want people to pray that God will enable you to love your dad unconditionally today, or if you've got burdens you want to bring to Jesus and lay them down, then we are here for you to help you do that. And we invite you to come on up. I just want to close by praying with you. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity today, first and foremost, to be your son. That while each one of us were yet sinners, you came after us. And we thank you for that love. Would you help us to honor our dads today and to receive the amazing, powerful love you have for us? To Jesus' name we pray, amen.